Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to the Matchinette Podcast. This is the only podcast that I am aware of that is only about matching and blessing and helping y'all, single folks, prepare well for the matching and blessing internationally. Whoever you are, we welcome you. The place for you. We have a spicy episode for y'all. We have with us today, Mrs. Kathy Kase. How you doing, Kathy? Good. Happy to be here. Yeah, I would love to have this conversation with you today uh, about how yourself and have I want to kind of go more into the the female realm of preparing well for marriage for matching and blessing what goes through the female mind and I can only speculate as a man I do talk very frequently with women uh as, as a matter of fact right now we're I'm involved in a in a sisters group of sisters that are preparing for marriage preparing for matching and blessing and they're kind of young sisters in, in their early 20s and so I'm having this opportunity to hear a lot of their very deep, vulnerable concerns and insecurities regarding, am I even worthy to receive a blessing? Am I someone that is capable of receiving this blessing? So there's a lot of kind of lack of confidence that people are, that's kind of surfacing that a lot of people can relate to. It's not just sisters, of course, obviously, from what I hear, brothers do struggle with this too. <laughs> um, but I hope to really get deep into this and, and figure out what, what can we give our listeners sisters, brothers, that will help them confidently prepare well for matching. Uh, internally, we talked last podcast about the internal aspect in relationship with God and how impactful that is in preparing you for marriage, right? And how important that is. But maybe we might even want to delve into kind of the external preparations and what it requires to be a, an ex, externally excellent matching candidate for matching blessings and what that means. Uh, so maybe we can start by, because people are still kind of getting to know you a little bit, Kathy, not everybody knows you, maybe they do. Uh, can you give us some, like a snapshot of what your preparation for blessing was like and what you feel like was most helpful for you? Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, my preparation, I felt, to be honest, was kind of all over the place. Um, how it actually happened was I was approached by my husband's matching supporter and I was in a space where I wasn't actually actively preparing for the matching that year, let alone the blessing. It was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't ready for it at the same time that he was. So when he had asked for me and um, through his matching supporter, um, then the whole idea of, oh, my God, like, what do I do from this moment on? And then, like you said, as you know, in your sister's group, I can relate you start looking at you personally and uh, at yourself and you're wondering how is that first conversation going to happen? What is it going to be like? What happens when they see me in person, you know, so that all of these insecurities start coming. Um, so before I even spoke with my husband, um, my match back then, um, the preparation was simply to prepare my heart to be open-minded. And I think this is a very important aspect because I find in my dealings with a lot of candidates, they're already looking, unfortunately, um, at a one foot in, one foot out scenario where they're taking this introduction phase but using it as a safety net. So they're going into a conversation to say, um, uh, we're going to start talking, but if, you know, but it's just talking. We don't, we're, that doesn't mean we're matched. That doesn't mean anything, to, it, it, some things are going to move forward after this. We're not committed, but we're just going to see how it goes. So with that mentality, it's almost like you're half in and half out. If you go into a matching process 
whether you're the guy or you're the girl, you both have to go in with the absolute mindset of being completely open-minded and seeing this person as God's child, that you don't look at them from a um, a lens of judgment and um, a, a lens of expectation, but that you will really see them with raw lenses and really seeing them from God's perspective. So I thought for me, because I can get pretty judgmental, I have high expectations and, um, you know, I have wishes in my future. And what kind of expectations? Um, well, they're for in their level of faith, very traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be good looking. That'd be funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of the external and they need to know where they're going in life. And I need to be able to know that. Um, they're looking for someone who can support them in that vision. So um, our vision needs to kind of align, you know, for it to to work out in some ways. Obviously, there's some give and take in that aspect. Um, so that was the first preparation is I had to get myself in a complete mindset of being able to see this person um, uh, with a clean slate. Um, yeah, so should I keep going? It could yeah. take time. Do, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so that was my, my first step of my preparation. And then secondly, then you start to think about, well, what makes me desirable as a person, not just as a female, but what makes me desirable as a spouse, um, particularly as a wife and, um, and then later on as a future mother. Um, and I tend to look at my mom, right, as the example. I think a lot of us, if we have good relationships with our parents, we tend to see our parents uh, as an example. And for women, we often want to sometimes marry our dad, you know, or someone that's similar to our father and vice versa. And um, so, um, but then I look at my mom because I think she's the greatest thing, the greatest woman on earth next to true mother. <laughs> and um and uh, and I can see myself falling short in some things like I can't cook. I don't know how to cook. Um, my mom hasn't taught me. But then I then you have to not just look at the things that you need to work on, but also think about think about what can you bring to the table. And this is going to really help you with your self-esteem because you have to really look at, well, what do I have to offer? It may not be cooking, but I'm great at helping around the house. I take initiative. My parents haven't had to ask me. And I say my parents because a lot of times people are still living with their parents when they're going through this matching process. So when you're taking initiative in the house, when your parents don't have to nag you for things and things like that. So you have, you, have, you got to recognize and give yourself some grace. And you have to really see that, wow, I do have things to offer on to the table. They may not be amazing, but from the perspective of a husband looking for a wife, I can support my husband in these things. Um, so uh, so those are kind of, in a way, kind of like check boxes, but it's um, it's really preparing me to be uh, someone that can receive um, a future spouse from the aspect of a, of a wife and a future mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, even more on the external side, you know, my life has always been around health and fitness. So if I am looking for someone that takes care of themselves, I need to also take care of myself. I need to also be active. I need to be healthy. I need if I I need to be fit. If I'm going to be able to have enough energy to explore, like at this time I was thinking, oh, we can travel the world. Like I need to be healthy. I need to have the, the stamina. I need to be able to be strong, especially when kids are brought into the into the picture. So you need to take care of yourself. If you're asking for this from someone else, you need to be able to also um, do that for you. Um, 
so in short form, those are the the kind of things that I was thinking about. I want to can I put just a bookmark in this topic and then you can continue. I am so grossed out when I see men that are way, way, way more overweight and unhealthy than their wives. Okay. <laughs> and I know this is a man thing, so don't so take it with a grain of salt. But when I see a man that just like doesn't take care of himself and the and the wife is just like fit, I'm like, dude, come on, get your act together. Like I say this because like you're the trainer, you're the physical trainer, right? It is literally harder for women to keep their body fat percentage yeah. lower than, right? That's true. Yeah. It is. Men it is. naturally have less body fat. Women have a harder time keeping fit. They do. Yeah. <laughs> they have less muscle mass overall, and they give birth to children. And so when I see these moms, and I look at the dad and the husband, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, like, come on, you got to keep up, like, you got to keep up. So when I look at like my own couple, this is like my benchmark is like, how, what is my wife doing? And how do I beat her? If she's <laughs> exercising, I'm going to go double it. <laughs> if she's that's doing, awesome. if she's walking every day, I'm going to walk twice as far. Like, that's how I think, because I will never, ever be that guy that someone else looks at and, and goes, man, that, that guy is just <laughs> oh. <laughs> bad God, you know? So anyways, thank you for saying that part out loud. <laughs> Men, I swear to goodness, don't let your wife beat you in the fitness realm. All right. It is not that difficult. Women have it harder biologically. They do just get your act. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Please continue. <laughs> um, yeah, well, honestly, that's um in terms of preparation, that's pretty much all the things I've considered. But the biggest one I will have to say is finances. Mm. And um and this was something that I was when I met my husband, I was put in my place because I was the one who spent a lot of money, not on a lot of material things, but a lot of trips, a lot of you know, seeing my friends and going from paycheck to paycheck, not saving enough because I was traveling a lot. And I will say that as much as I thought that that was really great, that I had the ability to travel and use my money on things that brought me memories and joy, when it came down to the matching process and we had to openly talk about our finances, I was like, what? You have that much? And he's like, yeah, how much do you have? I'm like, uh, <laughs> not that much. <laughs> so um, that was a hard conversation. To, and that was where a lot of my shame was. And he's like, but you've been working longer than me. I'm like, that's true. But I have a car and you don't. <laughs> so anyway, but. <laughs> and I've traveled the world. Exactly. <laughs> that's why um, we need balance, right? Kathy? That's we correct. That's correct. Um, so in, in all the aspects, um, I'm glad this is something we're talking about because there's a lot of things to consider in external preparation alongside the internal, from taking care of yourself, to your finances, to what you have to offer on the table um, and what that can look like. Um, so that's kind of... Yeah. Can I... Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I want to go into one point you made about being a desirable woman. And I think I'm speculating in the minds of women to the extent that I understand women. You know what? Let me take that back. I understand women pretty well. I've lived with one for 13 years. I think I've earned a little bit of credibility when it comes to oh. understanding women, at least a little bit. All right. So there you go. Ask my wife if she feels like she has a good relationship and I have a solid understanding of her. Go ahead. Ask her. She's freely available on Facebook. Anybody can message her anytime and ask her side of the story. But from what I understand, here we go. Uh, and also, especially meeting with these, uh, these young women, right. That are preparing for matching and blessing. They're very spectacular women. Like they're all they're beautiful. Like they're beautiful internally, externally. I have, I see no issue when I look at them and them telling me their insecurities about 
you know, everything from internal to external to emotional to financial, everything they say, I'm like, like, you're fine. Like, you'll be okay. That's what I'm thinking. Like, but I'm not saying that because that's a very like fatherly approach, manly approach. It's like, you're fine. Like, get over it. You'll be okay. Right. So I just kind of listen and try to, you know, sue them a little bit. But, um, but the overall theme in their heart is like, I don't know if I can be that desirable woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I can be that. I don't even know what that means. I don't know where to start. So did you, Kathy, ever go through this process of like, okay, I got to get my act together. I'm going to work on this area of my life. Or like, what would you say to somebody that is really feeling like, I don't think I can be a quote, a desirable person, you know? To mm. Well, I mean, I would first ask them, I would I have to ask them for their specifics. What, the, what is it that makes you feel not worthy? You know, a lot of times, um, at least in, in the matching supporter realm, from this perspective, it's a past that they've had. Um, and um, they feel that maybe they're, they're, they won't be accepted by this potential person for them if they find out about a past. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, um, and then from another perspective is other women who are saying that they've gone through already maybe two or three or four conversations and unfortunately they feel rejected each time um and and they they you know they don't ask why don't you like me but um but then we have to really look at what because in all honesty is there really a per a perfect i guess woman out there i think it's all based on perspective right because what i view as an ideal man could look totally different from what another woman wants in an ideal man right um so i'm gonna say that there is no perfect standard for looks for attitude for emotion it's all going to be subjective to your spouse and so part of that um part of understanding that is just because you know each other um, uh, through the matching process doesn't mean that you will remain the same. What I mean by that is you may not be completely in love um, or think that there, that this could go somewhere, but if you give it, and the beauty of the matching and blessing is if you give each other a chance, God can work because first it has to become unity and then there comes love and then that's where the attraction happens. It may not be instant, but again, the importance of being open-minded and valuing this person's um, more so internal uh, aspect versus their external appearance, because they can work on your external appearance. If you feel you're not confident because you're overweight or, um, I don't know, you got acne all over yourself, though, you know, those are things that you can work on. Like you can, you can, um, you know, you can handle that and uh, you, you can fix that. But um, if it's the internal characteristic that's a struggle, you know, maybe. A lot of times women come off as very judgmental to, to men, you know, maybe our standards are too high or the expectations are too high um, or vice versa. So um, anyways, I'm, I'm kind of going off thought here. Um, but what I will say is just pinpoint where you feel like you're missing um, in regards to why you don't feel worthy. Um, if it's external, I'll say let's work on it. If it's internal, let's address it because that's where the real digging comes into place. Um, so I guess with, without specifics, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. 
But um, I will say that there are ways that we can get you out of there. And a lot of times it'll start with having these conversations, having an older brother, older sister figure that can help you uh, address those things that you're not comfortable with. Yeah. Well, let's say, yeah, thank you for that. Let's say it's a sister that is experiencing a lot of internal uh, unconfidence and insecurities. Like you mentioned about having past mistakes or even present ongoing just struggles with yeah and just being a stable person and emotionally internally speaking you know how would you i guess how would you direct somebody to resolving that as much as they can so internal so they don't feel stable um Uh, I I think a lot of it is getting to the root of the problem. Um, a lot of times when people don't feel stable, it's because they're, I believe it's because they're unclear themselves mm-hmm. about potentially what kind of future that they would want. Um, and so let me give an example. I'm, I have a couple of candidates that I'm helping trying to find a match. And each time I approach them, they're not yet ready. They're not yet ready. Oh, I have to do this. They're not yet. They're still in this healing phase, which is fine. Um, but at some point, you don't want to get stuck at, I need to get better. At some point, you can simultaneously work towards that because your spouse can help you or your future, you know, future spouse, if you have this conversation and you allow that space to really get deep and understand each other, you will find that you can actually start to uh, not lean on each other, but really support each other. If you're both kind of stable enough to understand, this is how I feel. This is where I'm at, but I don't know where I, I want to be. And I need a spouse to kind of help me figure out my end goal. So you don't want to rely on your spouse to help you find your end goal. You need to actually kind of be clear about your vision in life and then present that to your spouse and future spouse and see if you're going in the same way. So we need to, I think clarity has to be the first step and overcoming instability. So being clear about what you want out of a relationship, being clear about which trajectory you want the relationship to go. Um, so I think that's the first step is having clarity of where to go from this from this point on, from this perspective. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I want to bring up the exact reason we had this group of sisters because uh, it's not just some random group of sisters that I just threw together and I'm mentoring them. It's like, very deliberate strategic thing so we have a new program that i that i'm helping to run in inside high noon right it's called Mm. core and we have two groups there's a men's group of the most stellar group of men and we have a women's group of the most stellar group of women in my in my experience in my opinion who are very very deliberately trying to prepare well to be a matching candidate They're, they're focusing on how do i be an incredible marriageable individual so that i can attract the person that I am, right? And so when you're sharing, Kathy, it really brings to light this fact that you will, I think gen, this is general for men and women. It goes both ways, but I think especially for women, because I think a lot of women do wonder like, what are men about? Like, what are men looking for? And it's very confusing because everywhere you look, it's propagated into our minds from media, from social media, from everywhere that men want a specific type of women, right? I'm right. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. men want a certain woman that looks like this, that acts like this. And of course, that's a generalization. generalization. But if you 
if you try to be that woman that you're not, you will generally attract a man that values that kind of thing. If you try to be a woman that is flirtatious and and right physically, I don't want to you know get into details. Physically spectacular and but emotionally internally is lacking spiritually is lacking you're going to attract a man that is only valuing you for your external appearance and spiritually and emotionally internally is lacking right mm -hmm. and so i tell this to the guys that you're going to attract the woman the man that you're going to attract the woman that you are based on the character of your internal state if you value the spiritual the eternal the internal first then you will attract a woman and you will find a woman that is like that and the same goes for women if you are willing to work on your internal state, your emotional state, your spiritual state, of course, working on the external is important. Of course, right? Obviously, for obvious reasons. But I would argue, my friends, that internal comes first. Why? Because we're internal beings. We're spiritual beings. And internal is who you are. You could fake being externally beautiful and awesome and attractive and fit. You could fake all that. You could get plastic surgery on every part of your body, right? You could literally change your entire physical being but that does not reflect who you are internally internally is who you are as a human being and so that's why it comes first and so if you are internally excellent you will attract an internally excellent person and i can tell you from my experience when i look at people men and women what i find beautiful in a woman kathy when i was looking for a matching partner when i was first getting matched and blessed i you know for some reason my gravitational pull is towards women that i know will be a great mother and a stable figure in my life. And that's just me. That's not a, a that's not a judge, judgment on women that don't want that. That's just my characteristics because I feel like I'm born like that as a man. I'm gravitated and I notice women, even today, I notice women that are good, like stable mother figures, no matter how old they or young they are. I will notice them and be like, man, she's beautiful. That man is beautiful because he prioritizes the the to taking care of himself internally he wants to be a, a father he wants to be a husband and to me that's attractive mm -hmm. because that's who i am and so i can confidently say that when i was 18 years old and and i was getting blessed matched and blessed even though i don't recommend that generally to most people at 18 years old right for reasons but i myself in my own journey i was confident in my ability to choose somebody based on their internal character because i felt like i was that and I felt that I would attract that. And also I was, I didn't have any issues with porn and masturbation for many years until the blessing, right? So I felt confident that the lens I was looking at women was not based on some external first lens, but it was actually through a filter of what is the internal quality I'm looking at people. So I can confidently look at a woman and see their internal character, right? And I think this is a skill that's developed, but we have to be cognizant and aware of how much our lenses are influenced and fogged by the things we consume, all right? Especially for women, like I said, it's very, very confusing. So if you find yourself confused, like, oh, I don't know how to be, I don't know how to be desirable, whatever that is, I don't know how to be internally or externally ex exceptional, well, focus on being the person that you want to attract and be that person, right? Mm -hmm. And I can tell you from experience, and you look at, you can look at all the stats, that if people base their relationship on anything that is but their value system and their internal qualities, those things very, very quickly perish. If a relationship is solely based on physical appearance, if it is solely based on something that is artif artificial, but, but external and superficial, those things can very well quickly disappear and change within the span of a few short years after marriage, especially during a lifetime. So yeah, I just want to put that in.
Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I think that ties into what I was trying to get across. I think you were giving a great example. You had clarity and you had intention. You you knew exactly what you were looking for and it wasn't based on the external expectations that society puts on us. And um, And I think deep down, most men, even though this world will tell us that children are a burden, you know, and that women should go and pursue um, the highest degree of um, of being in the corporate world or trying to be this boss babe, right? And you mm-hmm. don't need a family, you don't need a man. I think deep down, because we are created to have this uh, nuclear family system in our life with God as the center, every person longs for that. They may mask it, they may not, they they may reject it. But I think a lot of men or women are attracted to, for women, for men who can become great fathers and vice versa, like you were saying. So I think those are all very relevant. So having that clarity and being very intentional in your preparation and knowing that in order for you to have that person in your life that you want, what are you doing to also be that 10 for that other person? Because we're always in this space where, um, yeah, but what if this person is not this? What if this person is not that? Well, have you ever taken a look at yourself from their perspective what if you're not it for them you know there's also another person on this other side of the conversation it's not always about you what can you do for that sister what can you do for that brother so i thought that was a great example yeah thank you Kathy. i appreciate that you're bringing out my my intent and what i'm trying to say uh more directly and that's thank you for that i have a tendency to kind of make it about like, oh, this is just how I think, you know, but it's actually masking my true opinion. And if you can tell, if you look, if you have a conversation with me, if you ever spend any time with me, you can tell I'm very, very direct about this stuff, especially (laughs) when I'm mentoring like guys, especially like one-on-one. If somebody, let me rephrase what I just said and what you just said in the most direct way I can. If you are someone that, that prioritizes, puts priority on things like career, making money, status over your preparation to be a spouse, and you're, and you have no desire to even to be in a committed relationship and have children, which is what we're spiritually and biologically created to do. Then you are a, I'm sorry, like you are a failing human. You are failing what every ounce of your body is screaming for. And we had this these calls with these guys and gals separately, right, in these groups. And I asked them at the end of the program, why does it feel so right to do this program? I asked them that because they their general feedback was like, it feels so good to focus on this area of my life, my matching preparation, my blessing preparation. It feels so good to meet just once a week and it charges me for the entire week. And I asked them, why does it feel so good? Why? And the conclusion was because this is what you're meant to do. At this stage in your life, if you are somebody who is single and has any ounce of desire for marriage, family, the blessing, there is arguably nothing more important right now than finding your spouse. There's no decision that will, that will impact your life greater than who you marry, right? There's no decision greater than that because that will dictate in, in most part, especially who your children are, how many children you have, where you live for, mo- for the most part, right? Your, your success and your happiness and your fulfillment is in, or, or lack thereof can be very, very closely related to who you marry. So, and on top of that, even from a very like, let's speak of it from a very superficial uh, biological level, why this kind of preparation feels so good is because your body is screaming for connection. It's screaming for a relationship. It's free, screaming for, to be with a man or be with a woman to have an intimate relationship and have children. 
That's why, like, just look around us from a very, like, societal level. It's very, very much what we're wired for. And it's obvious from just the baseline. But if you take it a step further, and if you look through spiritual eyes like we do, if you look at it from God's design perspective, it's even more apparent how much we are actually designed for this. And that's why I told him, it feels so good to prepare yourself for to, to find someone and to look and seek for someone. And it feels right because it's what you're designed to do. And that's why it feels correct. It feels like you are finally on the correct path in life, right? Mm -hmm. And it almost feels like many people that, that maybe yourself too, but I, I talk to and I mentor, people are feeling like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what direction to go. I'm so confused. I don't know what career path to go. But when you find that this is the number one priority, it's almost like everything else kind of falls into place. That's been my experience for sure, right? It's like the career, the making money, the where to live, the which house to buy, all that kind of stuff is just like, it kind of falls into place. Right. When you have the first domino, the number one priority in place. And also you have somebody to make those decisions with, which is kind of a, a bonus, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, I think it's probably best to situate yourself and your goals around your lifelong husband or wife next to you. You know, you don't want to end up um, well past over your 30s or in your 40s. And of course, you're, you're, you're situated financially or career-wise, but then now if you're finally looking for someone, then you have their whole life to consider. And it's so much better. It's so much more fun to, get, to do it together with your spouse. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of this idea of just get matched, like 16, 17 years old? What is your take <laughs> um, I know True Father said that can, you can do that, but yeah, I don't recommend it. Okay, why? <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, 16, 17, you are... You're in still that age where I think you're still running on a lot of hormones. You're very easily influenced. And um, a lot of the decisions you make are to please other people because your identity is in other people at this age, right? Like we're still talking like end of high school, going into college. You're like still in this soul searching, trying to fit in. Unless you're a very mature individual, which you probably, Benji, were, you know, there are some exceptions. I think my husband is a very old, old soul, mature person. Um, I, I wasn't. I for sure was not ready um, at that age. Um, because, again, it's where you have your value system in place. Where do you find value? Where do you find um, um, how, you know, connections? And what are you putting as your, your frontline um top of the line goal for yourself. And at this point, I don't think it's it's very internal unless, unless of course, you're an exception to this rule. Mm. Um, so 16 and 17, I would say probably hold off unless of course, you know, you're like a, a Benji. Mm. <laughs> Dude, I could go, I can go into endless hours about why I was not prepared for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did have the basics. I would say I had the basics down. And, and this... I mean, this is a very hypothetical question. I think we don't have a lot of people that are in that situation. But I think, I will say that I, I believe it's a help, helpful mental exercise for people to ask themselves, why not get mashed and blessed tomorrow? Like, why not? Because in this group of, of people that I'm, I'm mentoring, working with, it's like everybody's at a stage where they're like, oh, in a few years when I'm 
you know, stable financially, or in a few years when I'm done with university, or after I finish this program, there's always some, some like milestone that they have to surpass. And so I just asked them like, why not get matched tomorrow? And I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying that everybody should get matched tomorrow. Just like you're saying, I am asking you to go through the mental process of asking yourself, why not? Because yeah. then you start going like, well, because of this and this reason, and then you start asking, are those actually valid, right? Like if I, if you had to get matched tomorrow, because Uncle Benji came to your house and, and told you you had to, otherwise I'm going to, otherwise I'm going to handcuff myself to you. Um, how would you do it? You know what I'm saying? Do you understand like the mental process I'm trying to get people through? I see. Okay. You know? Yeah. It's just like, okay, well, you know, I, I, I need to make more money. And then it's like, okay, how much more money do you need to make? Right. Mm. And I like peeling this back because eventually people kind of go like, well, it's not that important. And then they realize it's like more to do with perhaps fears they have regarding being in a relationship, kind of insecurities or other things that need addressing. You know what I'm saying? That have mm -hmm. been put off because of these artificial moving targets they've been putting on, such as finishing college, making more money, uh, that kind of stuff. So I think it's important to to just ask ourselves, like, why not? And that's why I'm asking about the age thing. It's not really the age, it's an arbitrary number, but it's more about going through the process of asking, like, why can't I start a matching process today? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, I see. I mean, it's an interesting question. Um, and I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I mean, obviously, these things are secondary to the commitment level of a, of a future husband and wife, right? The finances, the careers, or whatever, they do and will fall into place. Um, but that being said, it depends, it depends on the situation, um, I think. Um, so personally, I remember I, I did a workshop one day. Um, it was a, I think it was a level two um, blessing workshop. And um, I had a guest speaker and I was hosting and um, a question from the audience came about, is money important when it comes to getting ready for the matching process? Like how, uh, how financially stable should you be uh, before going into matching process? And um, my answer was, well, you should have some sort of finances, you know, uh, to support a potential future spouse. But my other guest speaker, who is actually Reverend Adjali, he was our old pastor from Boston Family Church. He said, not important. And I was put in my place. And I, and I have to really think about that because I'm like, it's true that you you should have some finances, but at the same time, a lot, especially in the first generation, right? Like a lot of people had nothing, but they come together and build something beautiful and then you will flourish. Um, as long, I feel like as long as you have a plan in place, as long as you have the desire to work hard, support a family, as long as you have that desire, you're, you're going to be fine. You don't have to have everything together. You don't have to be, you know, uh, out of debt or whatever before you start a matching process. As long as you have again, the clarity of where you want to be and that you have this desire to support a woman as a wife and support a family, I think that's, and vice versa, I think that's the only important thing we have to consider. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. I, I think we should do a whole episode about finances. Kathy, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. If you guys are down, let us know. Uh, send us a message, add a comment, and we will consider that. I will just add about finance. I think people underestimate, especially as you get older, and I know that this was my case when I was younger. I was so 
baffled by how people make money. How does money enter into your life? You know what I'm saying? And it was this big mystery, saving, investing, all this stuff. Now that I'm, you know, more weather in, the, in, in finance and learning about investing, I know how it works. And I know a lot of people that make money. So naturally I know more op options are available, right? And so I, what I tell people is like, it's not that, it's not as hard as people think to make money. If you're willing to work hard and you have a little bit of just knowledge, every country pretty much has an equivalent of driving Uber, Uber, right? Yeah. And I've made sure of this. I've asked people in Korea where I have a <laughs> lot of friends in Korea who are like struggling financially. And I asked them this, the same question. Do you have, like in America, you can get certified to drive Uber. I, I'm sure there's some age restri restriction, maybe 18 years old or something and have a little bit of history. But for the most part, anybody can drive Uber and make a good, like a good income. I actually ask, I ask every time, almost every time that I get into an Uber, how much money they make. And it's, it's not bad. That's what I'm saying. Like you can make a good living driving Uber. And the point of this whole thing, why I'm bringing up Uber is because it's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's not that bad. And then people go, but I don't like driving. Well, then find something else. Like, you know, it's one example of probably a thousand of things that you could just do and make a good living. And that's a full-time income. You could live happily and raise a family in that most, most of the world. Korea has an equivalent of Uber. In Korea, one person said that you can, uh, you can do delivery driving, kind of like DoorDash in America. And that's, what, that's like the thing people do when they don't know what to do and they just want to make some, some money, right? It's easy to do. Japan has their own things, like everywhere. I'm sure the Philippines has their, what are their tuk-tuk drivers, whatever, you know? Yeah. Tuk-tuk <laughs> drivers. I don't know. Um, so anyways, I just want to make that point that I, I think people over maybe overestimate how much, how, how difficult it is to, to make money. It's not as complicated, you know? And of course people get into like, Oh, my work has to be meaningful. And it's like, yeah, well, you can figure that out as you go. I don't think it should, I don't think it should stop people from, again, from working on one of the most important things in your life. Like, finding a, an eternal partner that's not a something that should be held just because i don't know how to make money anyways i think we should go more into finance uh you guys can let me know if you want yeah to. yeah so yeah. <laughs> what else do you got um i don't know any questions from that group of girls that you have i mean i do have a quote from um it's my true father and i actually came across it because i was reading the matching handbook just the other day yeah and it falls in line with what we're talking about nice. um so this was under uh preparing the candidate's attitude and heart in the matching process the father says the term ideal spouse is very good is it not until now you thought that an ideal spouse is like this or like that but no matter how good your partner is you will not find his or her value unless you have within you the quality to do so. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where is your capacity to discover whether or not your spouse is excellent? Without you yourself being the best, you cannot find the very essence of your spouse's excellence. So, sorry, I'm in a flight path, so it's kind of um, loud. But I really, really enjoyed that because father was saying that in order for you to see the value in another person you have to invest in your own self like that is the only way to do that and if you're not investing in yourself you won't be able to see that other person for their own worth so i thought that was a um, really deep and it tied into what we were talking about earlier 
Yeah, that's 100%. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, so I wonder what people go through when they hear about this kind of content, you know? It's such a, it brings up a lot of, a lot of emotions of, of, you know, lacking and failure and insig in, in, insignificant incompetence. And you know what I'm saying? I think like, we don't want people to feel like that, right? Like, oh, I have so far to go and I'm so, I'm so behind, you know, I don't know. But I know that's where people go generally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people just maybe are overthinking things. I feel like you don't know until you start preparing, until you start putting yourself out there. And, you know, you may get rejected by a potential matching candidate. Maybe they're not ready, but but that's okay. You continue to work on yourself. So you may be 16 or 17, and maybe the matching isn't for you right now, but that doesn't mean you can't start preparing to start getting your head in the game, to start getting yourself better um, as an individual. Mm. Yeah, I think when I was 16, I started doing a Kyungbae conditioning because I was, so I went through a phase when I was 15, 16 years old, where I was questioning my faith completely and just everything was questioned. And I, because I'm curious and I've talked about it, I'm, I'm spiritually very curious. I'm not like, like, oh, everyone's wrong because of my pain and my suffering. Everything is, I won't discredit everything and just look through my little, my little lens right? My little peephole at the world. I will actually try to ask people like, what do you think about this? You know, I don't think this is true. I don't think this person is, is doing the right thing, whatever. And I'll ask people who know that person, right? So because of my curiosity, I went through a period of 15, 16 years old where I went and I went really deep into God's word. I prayed deeply. I spent all my time studying. I didn't spend any time in school, zero time doing homework. Like the whole year I did zero homework. And my mom was like, at the very end, she found out and she was like, what is wrong with you? She was like, what have you been doing this whole year? And I was like, I've been studying divine principle, mom. And <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, seriously, uh, sincerely. And uh, it was through that process that I began to realize my, my number one focus wanted to be preparing for the blessing, preparing for marriage. So from that moment on, after I decided that I have a life of faith with God. I understand God to, a, to an extent that I will always try to develop my relationship with God as I go. I understand true parents' mission to an extent that I'm curious about the blessing and want to learn more about it. And so I decided to do a daily Kyungbae condition every day. And my determination was I will do this Kyungbae condition until I'm blessed, until the day of my blessing. And that was what I decided. I didn't know if it was going to be two years or five years or 10 years. I didn't know, but I wanted to do it every day. Uh, and as we know, I, I got matched and blessed when I was 18 years old. And then recently, somebody asked me, do I regret getting blessed at 18 years old? Because I have a very similar answer to you, actually, Kathy, which is it's not for everybody to get matched so young. It's not for everybody. But for some people, it works. Mm -hmm. And it works for a specific reason, because they have certain things in order in their life, right? Um, but he asked me, would I do it again? Or do I regret doing it? And I thought about it long and hard because I didn't I want to give him a, a sincere answer. And I said that if I could if I could not change who my wife is and who my children are, obviously, like I like who I'm married to and I like who my children are. If I could not change who, who I was blessed with, if I could not change my kids, I said I would probably have waited a few more years. 
Mm. And he was interested in that. And he said, why? And I said, because I believe that there are there were certain emotional and internal maturity points that I needed to work on that would have made my blessing a lot easier on me, mm. right? And I think because I have a high priority on growth and spiritual growth and being curious and trying to understand myself more, I, I will always grow at the end of the day. I will never blame. I will always take responsibility for my decisions, always. And because I'm like that, I was able to go through very difficult things in, internally in myself in the beginning and make it out on top. But I think it would have been a lot easier if I had some more real, real world experience in relationships, especially not, not romantic relationships, just to be clear. I mean, relationships with like work coworkers, relationships with deepening with my parents, with others, with the opposite gender, right? Genuine, sincere brother, sister relationships. I think I would have been emotionally more just fulfilled and happy inside my blessing, right? Um, so that's probably the advice I would give to myself. But then again, the caveat is like, the only reason I found my spouse is because I went when I was 18 and I was like, I'm ready for this. I'm going to do it. The only reason I have my kids is because I married who I did. So, but if I could just keep everything the same, I would probably choose to wait until I was like 20, 22, maybe just so I can have some experience of just working, right? I would just probably work and have some life experience, maybe start a business and just have all the experiences associated with that so that I can bring that kind of internal stability that I feel like I was honestly lacking a lot of. I feel like I lacked a lot of internal stability because I was so young. Um, but again, like that's that's kind of just how my experience went. Yeah. No, that's. I think that's valuable life lesson. And um, and like and I think kind of already said this, but whether you're 16 or whether you're 30, um, you need to have this attitude that this is going to be your path someday. So it's never too late to, or too early to start preparing. And, um, but like you said, having wholesome relationships and being able to find um, a great group of people that you can really, that can allow you to harness your potential to be a, um, a, a true man and a true woman for someone else is super important. Um, if you can have true relationships, again, like you said, as a coworker, or true relationships with other brothers and sisters. I think that really does shape who you are and how you can bring that into a healthy way into a relationship. So that that was a really great point that I took away from your sharing. Thank you. Yeah. So how do you feel preparing yourself well has paid dividends in your life currently? Ooh, that's a great question. Honestly, I feel like I'm still constantly working at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say though, preparing myself has given me the confidence to uh, to pursue this matching and to pursue this blessing because I felt like I had something to put on the table. And that's because I just dug deep. I dug deep into understanding my, my worth. I looked at myself from God's perspective. I took the time to really reflect on why should I deserve this person? Why would this person even be interested in me? And then in that conversation that you're having, it's really important to honor the other person and and what they envision a wife to be, right? That you're willing to really work and being that person for him and him being that person for you. So we're always going to constantly evolve and we're always constantly growing because we all grow as individuals and our preferences and our life experiences that we then have together 
um, brings us closer and it may even change who we are. So we're constantly evolving. But the beautiful thing is that what true love really is, is you practice a healthy um, compromisation that I, even though I hate something, like for example, my husband hates coffee, um, he will, will not touch it, he will not drink it. And I, I will, I will not, you know, drink a lot of coffee when he's mm-hmm. around. You know, just like those simple gimmicky things. I mean, of course, there's greater things that I can talk about. Um, but just being able to, you know, true love is practicing being able to have that healthy compromisation because you love that person. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I don't know if that answered any questions, but <laughs> no, I think that's a beautiful <laughs> statement and a tagline to put on life because I love, because I love you. You know, <laughs> because I love you. It was like I always had this question of like, why should if if grace is infinitely available in marriage and relationship with God, if God forgives us all the time, why should we even try to live a sinless life? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Why should we even attempt to live a, a to be a valuable son or husband or mother, father, whoever, if we're always forgiven? And I prayed about this. Because I was like, why can't I just do what I want in my life? Because I know God will always forgive me. My parents will love, always love me. My wife will forgive me. And the conclusion I came to is because I love God. Mm. And if you love somebody, you do it because you love them. That's true. And there's no because X, Y, Z. There's no caveats. There's no, you know, anything that's attached to it. It's just because I love mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. We have integrity, for example, because... That's what integrity is. Mm-hmm. We have honor because that's what a loving thing is. We have, in many senses, we are courageous because that's what love is. The word courage, and I'm speaking to people that are afraid to take action, especially afraid to put themselves on a website to, to communicate with that matching supporter or with that candidate's family. People who are afraid to join a Heinen program because of sexual integrity issues, right? People who are afraid of going to the workshop, going to wherever, putting themselves out there. The reason it's called courage, my friends, is because it's a little scary. If it wasn't scary, it would be not be courage. You would just be doing life if it wasn't scary. <laughs> and so to be, if you want to be, live a life that is, as, that is uh, exceptional and that goes against the grain of what everybody's telling you you should do, it's going to be a little scary to do it. Maybe massively scary maybe like just completely fear-inducing. And around every corner of every matching process, every communication, you might just be completely and utterly afraid that something is going to hurt you. But I think that if you really want to live an exceptional life, you have have to have a little bit of courage, and that has to be a little scary. It doesn't have to be super scary. It could just be as simple as talking with somebody, right? Here's an example. I want to start matching process, but I'm scared to get my heart hurt. Very common, right? So instead of thinking of like, oh, I'm starting a matching process today, maybe what I'm going to start is just signing up for MatchNet and getting started. Maybe I'm just going to start becoming a candidate. Maybe I'm just going to start by finding a matching supporter. Maybe I'm just going to start by communicating with my mat- with my parents that I want to get matched and blessed, right? These are all small steps that are maybe incrementally scary, but once you do it, it's like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And this is what I actually told the sisters in the group, right? Because they could feel their fears coming up, their fears of taking action, their fears of getting rejected and feeling unworthy. What if I do reach out to a man and he says, no, you're ugly. Sorry, hang up. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. I'm sorry, but like that's a fear people have. And by the way, sisters, yeah, if you meet if you meet a man like that, congratulations, you have found the person you should run the opposite direction of. <laughs> right? It's like great. Bye. <laughs> you know? If if that's who they are, that's not that's not who you are. So you shouldn't even you shouldn't even indulge that person as a matching candidate. But what I'm saying to these sisters is just take one step. If you feel afraid, just take one step. Just one step. And everything is scary until you do it for the first time. The first time you reach out to someone, it's scary. The second time, not as much, interestingly. The first time you go on a roller coaster, if you remember the first time going on a roller coaster or that big water slide at the water park when you were a kid, really scary, right? And then you did 10 more times after that, 100 times more after that. So everything's scary. That's, I guess, how we're wired biologically. Um, but just take a leap of faith. Take one action. If you're taking actions towards where you want, towards where you want to go, you're being brave, you're being courageous. And God will support you. God will support that. And God will guide you there. If you're, take, if you're inactive, if you're not taking action because of fear, then I think that God can't work. Because I think God does not operate in the, in the sphere of cowardice, which is, I'm sorry to say, that's what it is. The opposite of courage is cowardice. Maybe that's a blunt way of stating it, but it is. And so if you want mm -hmm. God to work, I believe you have to have a little bit of courage mm -hmm. and just kind of go out there. I'm not saying, again, not everybody should get matched tomorrow, but I think if, if you want something in your life and you want to get it, then why not take one step towards that? And if there's something that's stopping us, from doing it, then I think it needs to be addressed. Just like Kathy's saying, addressing root issues. If it's an external thing, addressing that, that can be managed, that can be handled. And if somebody sincerely cannot accept you because of who you are internally or externally, I would say, congratulations. You've narrowed your, your pool a little more, go in a different direction, <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> okay, Kathy, is there anything else you wanna add for our listeners here no i think that was a, a great way to end it <laughs> yeah thank you so much i really appreciate having your your balanced uh perspectives on things uh yeah <laughs> yes yeah likewise yeah if y'all have any comments or questions for kathy uh, just let us know we'll connect you and uh do join the matchnet program at matchnet.us if you want a full step-by-step -step guide through the matching process and you want support along the way, that is where you guys have to get signed up. Please share this episode with somebody that you love because the only reason we do this is to help you guys. So please uh, spread it around with word of mouth because that's the only way that we spread around because we do not have a, bar a marketing budget. This is what we do. And uh, Kathy, thanks again so much for your time. Thank you.